0: Who's who's got the better smile man you or your brother?
1: I mean everybody knows it's me it's not even a conversation. I'm no Emmanuel usually mean mugs like anybody who knows Emmanuel yes he'll he'll smile for the camera but he's usually in it he's usually living his life doing his thing. When I'm the guy who's like hey what's up?
0: What's up friends? Welcome to the podcast our first episode ever together here on the Drew Tranquil Podcast, this is a lot like football. You do all these reps, all this preparation, all these practices, film watching, studying, all for what? The first game. And here we are, first episode, first game, and this is exciting. We're going to get things kicked off here with our thought for the day, and our thought for the day comes from Sam Acho's book let the world see you. Sam writes, we all need people to inspire us, to push us, to encourage us, to be honest with us, to hold us accountable, to know who we are, and remind us of who that is, to tell us the truth, no matter what, to see us and make sure we let the world see us. And we're going to be talking with Sam here shortly. But before we do, I wanted to make you aware of something. And this might be the most exciting part of the episode for you. I don't know. But we're giving away a free Apple Watch. That's right. Free Apple Watch. All you have to do is subscribe. Let us know who you are. And we'll be announcing the winner during our fifth episode. All right. right, let's Enough of me rambling. Let's waste no time here. Our guest today is a nine-time NFL vet, a two-time graduate of the University of Texas, public speaker, host of multiple podcasts, and author, and we're going to talk about his book here a father and a husband, Sam Acho and I are about to chop it up about how to be real in a world full of fakes. Let's get rolling here. Sam Acho, Drew. welcome to the podcast, brother. I'm glad to be on, man. I'm glad to be on with you. Hey, dude, the the smile is as advertised. <laughs> um, big, beautiful, welcoming. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. That's me. Who's who's got the better smile, man? You or your brother? I mean,
1: everybody knows it's me. It's not even a conversation. I'm no Emmanuel. Usually, mean mugs. Like anybody who knows Emmanuel, yes, he'll he'll smile for the camera, but he's usually in it. He's usually living his life, doing his thing. When I'm the guy who's like, "Hey, what's up?" Right, and that's why. Uh, even in the book, right, let the world see you. I talk about it in the book I just wrote. How a lot of times my smile gives me away. Right, like it's me. I, I love bringing people to together, making sure everyone feels loved and welcomed. And I talk about my smile giving me away. And and what I mean by that is there were some times during negotiations, right, with the NFL ownership uh, about a collective bargaining agreement. I'd heard about these owners. These guys are billionaires. They don't care about the players. They'll squash you if they could. And so I'm the guy. Usually I'm smiling. This time I tried to kind of just, you know, have a mean mug and just, you know, stone face, whatever. And somehow, some way, one of the owners actually saw what you saw and we were in the we were in the restroom actually it was like a bathroom break he looked at me out of nowhere he's like you know you have the greatest smile Mm. and I'm sitting here like I'm supposed to be negotiating with you you're the enemy you know what I mean like he's like you have the greatest smile my response was hey man I I get it from my mom right it's just who I am it's it's part of who I am and so I appreciate you noticing that and uh, I think even those negotiations that smile went a long way but I, I appreciate you noticing
0: dude you uh you've done a lot man NFL, what, eight, nine, ten-year vet? Yeah, nine years. I don't years. know, a lot,
1: of, a lot of years. Nine years, Author,
0: yeah. man, disciple, yeah. podcast host, yeah. multiple degrees. <laughs> the, the Campbell Trophy winner, like yeah. academic, Heisman. Dude, is there anything in life you're like, ah, not for me, man? I mean, you, you're doing it all, brother.
1: Yeah, no, I think a lot of the things that I've been doing are kind of just – um I'm trying to just maximize the gifts that God gave me but don't hear what I'm not saying. There's so much uncertainty and doubt and fear and frustration and all of those things right in in winning the Campbell trophy. It was a goal of mine but I didn't know I was going to win it. Uh, there were so many ups and downs and anyone who's who's uh, well I'll just tell a story from my book how how and it's available anywhere you get books Amazon you know Target wherever but so Freshman year, my goal was to win this trophy, <clears throat> this award called the Campbell Trophy, the Academic Osman Trophy. And so I was doing all the things I could to try and win it. And I was studying and do other things. Well, part of winning the award is being in some of the toughest majors. I was in the I was a business honors major, right? The honors program in the business school. And with that major, you have to maintain a certain GPA requirement. And I believe there it was just like a, a 3-0, nothing crazy, a three-o GPA for your major for all your business classes. And it was my first semester, my sophomore year, first time in the honors program, and it was football season. And as you know, football season can be busy. You got stuff going on. You got life. There's practice, games. School was on the back burner for me. But usually I've been fine in school, so I wasn't tripping. Well, first semester comes and goes in my three business courses. I got an A, a B, and a a C. Mm. And actually the requirement was a 3.25, excuse me, a 3.25 for your major, In A, B, and C, 403 and two equals out to a 3.0, so I was 0. .25 percentage points essentially under that GPA requirement. No big deal, I thought I'll be fine, I'll just kind of do my thing, I'll smile at them and kind of get, and just kind of, oh, I'll be fine. And they said, yeah, Sam, it's not gonna cut it. It's not gonna cut it, um, and I got kicked out of the program. So I got kicked out of like my dream program, the honors program at the University of Texas, right? It was my dream to win the Campbell trophy, be in this program and do all these things. And, and, and I got kicked out. And so I, I heard about this appeal process. So I wrote an appeal. I said, hey guys, it's been a crazy season. As you know, we were Fiesta Bowl champions. I've been kind of busy, but come the spring when it's not football season, I'll be good. And they said, yeah, Sam, we're not accepting that, that appeal. Um, your appeal has been denied. We have students in this program who have full time jobs, who are taking care of their families. They've got other responsibilities just like you. And so we're not gonna let you back in just because it's the off season. What happens next football season? What happens next fall and the fall after that? So my appeal was denied. This whole dream of this Campbell Trophy, the academic Heisman Trophy was gone. Then I, then I talked to my dad, who knows me really well. He's probably one of the people in the world. Obviously he birthed me, but he just knows me and I told him how I'd gotten kicked out and how I was disappointed. And I said, well, at least I'm still in the business school. It's not the honors program, but at least it's still the business school. And I tried to appeal. They said no. And he looked at me, he said, son, appeal again. I was like, what do you mean, dad? He said, appeal again. And I'm sitting there like, dude, like I, first of all, it's embarrassing enough to get kicked out, number one. Number two, I already appealed once. I've never heard of anyone appealing twice. He said, son, appeal again, but this time let them know who you really are. I was like, what do you mean? Well, see, in that appeal letter, I'd have written about how I was busy, and you know, I'm focused on football. He's like, "No, let them know who you are. Tell them about your passions, about your loves, about how you love learning. And I did. I, I wrote an extensive letter, a second appeal to the dean of the business school, and I said, "Hey, I don't know if this has ever been done before, but let me tell you a little bit about me." I started to proceed to tell them about how. Like my passion for literature, right? I love I love words, the English language, right? I can recite Shakespeare, uh, some some different you know soliloquies in Shakespeare. I can recite the Canterbury That's Tales, the, yeah, dude, I can recite the Canterbury Tales, and I can hit I can hit, I can hit it for your listeners if you want me to, but um, I could do the Canterbury Tales, the prologue of the Canterbury Tales of Middle English. I love math. I love learn, I love school. And I started telling them about my loves. And I said, if y'all give me another opportunity, you're not gonna, you're not gonna regret it. And there's a little bit of a, a longer story, which all it's, it's in, it's in Let the World See You, in my new book, but they let me back in. And the rest was history. I was bringing my books on, you know, Texas OU game. I was bringing my books on flights. I was studying the night before games. I would play the game, dominate, dominate in the game come back and study for an exam on the flight back or on the bus ride back that's what it took I got tutors I mean whatever it took and so to, to your point yes there is a ton of accolades but uh, let it not be forgotten the work that was put in and also the the downfalls that came as well
0: dude give us a, a little rendition what is it the Canterbury Tales
1: yeah for sure so this is the this is the give prologue quick,
0: like like for sure for, for sure
1: Prologue of the Canterbury Tales in Middle English, right? So it's not, it's, it's, it's just Middle English, y'all go look it up, Canterbury Tales. <laughs> Wander april with his sure assault, the root of march had passed through the rota, and bother every vein and switch cord of which fair to and tender it is the floor, One's a to seek with a swear to breath and spirit hath in every halt and heather. The tender crappies. I'm the youngest soon I'm I, I can go on and on and on, but that's a little piece of uh, of
0: it. Dude, I, I was reading your book. You you wrote in there. You said football is like my passion or something I love, but my passion, but learning is my love. What? I mean, you're reciting that. You love to learn. What? What gave you that thirst? You mentioned your father. I don't know if he has any role in it. What? How'd you, how'd you get your start? And like, I think that's so important, right? Being a lifelong learner. And it sounds like that's something you're applying to your life. I don't, how does that manifest itself today,
1: Sam? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's easy for a lot of us to get caught up into what we do, a football player, or I am a mechanic, or I'm a teacher, or I'm a, a pastor it's so easy for people in general to put their identities in their positions. The problem that occurs is what happens when that position is taken away? What happens when you're no longer playing at Texas or at Notre Dame? What happens when you're no longer in the NFL? What happens when your church dissolves? What happens? Oh, my, my, some people put their pride in their kids. Oh, my kids are the best. Or my What happens when they go on and graduate or they, or, you know, so many of us put their, our identities in the things that we do, but for me, I realize I'm more than just a football player. I love learning, not only in, in school, but I love learning about people. That's part of the reason why we, you know, we started a, a, pod, a couple podcasts, right? So I could listen and learn about people. I love learning about things. Like I love, that's one thing I think that helped me in football was I could I could Equate some things I learned off the football field and apply them to the football field, talking about angles, right? Making a tackle. This dude's bigger, faster than me. But if you take the right angle, if you're approaching them in the right way, it's it's physics. It's simple, right? I'm an outside linebacker. You play inside linebacker, but for you as an inside backer, these old linemen, these guards going against are oftentimes 6'3, 320, 340, right? You're you're no. 240, no. 240 and some change, maybe, right? 6'3, 240, right? physically speaking a little bit man they, i mean six one i mean i'm trying to man i'm trying to you know hey. two two
0: thirty thirty two thirty they're bigger than me let's put it all right cool
1: way. put it that way right <laughs> um so physically speaking these guys are supposed to destroy you but if you take the right angles you fall back or better yet if you strike first you can win and so what i've learned in in life is that it's not always about how big you are, how smart you are, how gifted you think you are. It's about sometimes just taking the right angles, being in the right place at the right time and trusting that God's gonna
0: open up the door. Boom, man, I love what you said about people because I think so oftentimes, even our education system, we're so focused on the X's and O's in the textbook, the information, I think we lose sight a little bit about learning about people, learning how to communicate, learning how to read people, see what their needs are, fill the shoes they're walking in. Empathy. You touched on it multiple times in your book, empathy. What What are some maybe practical ways? Because I feel like, I mean, it's idealistic, right? We all want to be have a higher EQ, be better with people, be better communicators. What along your journey has helped you? You talked about listening. What, what helps you become a better listener, Sam? What helps you understand, empathize with people more? Is it just purely experience or are there things that I could be doing today, tomorrow, the next day to, to kind of help me become a better listener, a better communicator?
1: There's a there's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe it's verse 38. And I'm not like Jeremy. Jeremy got them all memorized. Y'all know Jeremy Davis. I'ma pull it up. Hey Sean, um,
0: Jeremy Davis. Yeah, that's my dog. Former teammate of mine, great human being. Yes, he yes. Recite the Bible like nobody else.
1: Yes, <laughs> and um, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 33. We talk about listening and the importance of listening and why would anyone learn to listen, any tips? Paul is writing and he says, I I do things, but not to seek my own advantage, but I seek the advantage of many. It goes on to say that they may, that they may be saved. In first Corinthians chapter 13, it talks about love. It says love doesn't insist. Verse five says love doesn't insist on its own way. So I think the first step in gaining emotional intelligence is understanding that it's not about you. It's not about you and it's not about insisting in your own way. So often we live in a world with social media where we think we have to build our brand and that's all that matters, even on the football field. I mean, I got to grind. I got to shine. It's all about me. But in all reality, it's about the team. What team are you playing for? Who really gets the win? We could spend your whole life being the best you can be, but if you're the best you can be and not pouring into others, it's not going to help your team. So yes, be the best you can be, but also don't forget pour into others. And so what I'm realizing is if I want to have a higher emotional IQ, I need to actually, like you said, put myself in someone else's shoes, but also realize it's not always about me. We, we do a great job of making things about us, right? This happened to you. Oh, well, this is how it's going to affect me. No. Like, can I just sit with you? Can I just learn from you? Can I just listen to you as opposed to trying to build my brand and make my money or do all those things? Yes. There's a time and a place for that. But if you really want to grow, it's about giving, it's about serving. It's about loving.
0: I think that's a great pivot to even jump into the book because I I noted here, uh, even in the title, right? Let the world see you how to be real in a world full of fakes that's so like that's an unbelievable idea right I think most people would probably say like yeah I want to do me I want to be me but the reality is when we step into the room for that interview when we shake somebody's hand for the first time most of the time what's going on in our head and I you touch on this multiple times it's not I'm gonna let them see me I'm gonna let them know me it's What do I need to do to impress them? We see it on social media. How can I grow my following? How can, instead of, it sounds good, right? I'm gonna authentically be me, but in reality, not a lot of us practice it. Why do you think that is? We're afraid. We're afraid, it's simple. Um, A lot of us are afraid,
1: and the next question logically would be we're afraid of what? I think we're afraid that we won't be accepted for who we are and afraid that we won't be loved for who we are. Each and every one of us has a deep desire to be loved. Ask any man out there, right? You could say, well, yeah, like, oh, women want acceptance and men, I just want to lead. No, 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 ask it. I was with a bunch of men last week speaking at a church, at a men's group at this church in Arizona. And I asked, I asked some of the men, what are your biggest fears? Some of the answers I got were, I fear I won't be adequate. Won't be enough. Another was, I feel like I won't be accepted. Right? We as human beings, we have a deep desire to be loved, and our fear is that if people saw the real me—not the blown-up, big, shiny, beautiful version of me—if they saw the real me, I won't be loved. That's what I thought during those NFL Players Association negotiations with these owners. I figured if they saw the real me, they would just stop on me. Oh, you're—you know—you're not. You can't hang with us. Even my teammates, you're not be able to hang with us. If they saw the real me. But what I realized was that as I showed people the real me, the vulnerable, right? Like the real me, I realized, yes, it was for me. I I grew from that, but they grew as well. The team grew. We had our best season, right? The team, I, and even the title of the book, right? Let the World See You, the idea of, of being real in a world full of fakes, the idea of being you, that came from the 2018 season, my last year with the Chicago Bears. We had a brand new coach and his motto for the year for the team was be you. Mm. Be you. And, And if you dig a little bit deeper into that idea of being you, it was be you and we're going to accept you for you. I don't want you to front. I don't want you to act like, you know, you have it all together. I want you to bring you to the table. Because once you can do that, and oh, by the way, we're going to accept you for that. Once you can do that, you'll be able to, to, to flourish on the field, off the field, in the community, in whatever you do, but bring the full you to the table. But we are afraid that we won't be accepted and we won't be loved for who
0: we are. How did you finally get over that fear? Was it Was it a process? Was it an aha moment of... Realizing your identity, aside from, I feel like a lot of times you you hit it on you hit it the nail on the head, right? I I think even this idea, right? Public speaking is the number one fear ahead of dying, Sam. Ahead of dying, why is that? Because you get up on stage, everybody's eyeballs are on you, and what's going through your head? What if I well, make For a me, when I first sense? start, when I first started out speaking, it was am I impressing these people? Am I saying stuff and stuff that's going to change their lives? How do I look up here? I hope I look okay. I hope my voice doesn't squeak. I hope I don't lose my train of thought. Like we're, we're afraid, we're afraid of what people might think, but that if you really think about it, like, what does that even matter? Like the The possibility that you could go up there and change somebody's life through just being you and changing your story, shouldn't that far outweigh maybe the few people that are like, ah, this guy really didn't have anything groundbreaking to say. So I'm just interested, like, what was that moment when you're like, I'm done with this mask? We're wearing a lot of masks today, physically and, and literally. When was, like, what was that moment? When was that moment? How did you know, like, I'm done with this, man?
1: For me, Drew, it was, a, it was a journey more than an aha moment. So often, I, I would get my affirmation from how I performed. My teammates or my coaches, the fans, someone on the outside would say, man, that was really good, or, or the other hand, they wouldn't say anything. Which made me feel even worse. Oh man, that means they don't want to make they don't want to say how bad it was. Or they'd say that's really bad. So I would always try and wait after I did something to hear this affirmation from a coach, a teammate, a fan a friend, a family member, a fan, a friend. And the moment for me, really the journey began when Week one, 2017, Chicago Bears, outside linebacker. We're playing the Atlanta Falcons, who just came off the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. But they still had a top offense, like the offense. And I shined that game. You balled out. I shined. I mean, it was just they couldn't run my way. It was teaching tape, clinic tape. Like, they you use that tape to go show people this is how you stop this style of offense. They couldn't do anything against me. I dominated. Man, when I say coaches, teammates, everyone was like, "Dude, you're the man. You're the man. You're the man." I was like, "Yes, this is, this is what I'd always wanted in some ways, right? You that was, that was year seven in the NFL. You grind, you shine, you try to do your thing, so you can be accepted. You are the man. You got it figured out." Well, week two, first series, first series of the game, we had this defense call. We're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we had this defense call, and they ran my way, and for whatever reason. I thought it was my fault. It wasn't. But they they gained more yards than we would have liked. Eight-yard carry up the C-gap. I'm on the edge. And I'm sitting there like, man, what did I do? And, and, and on the sideline, go to the sideline, Sam, what happened? What was that? And I, didn't, I was like, I don't know. I thought I messed up. And so the next time they ran the play, I anybody who knows me knows I'm a guy who's like responsibly sound. I'm going to be in my gap, in my assignment. You can trust Sam's going to do what he needs to do. He's going to do his job. Well, this game, he's going to do his job. Well, this game, I said, let me get my shine and so instead of doing my job and being in the gap i was supposed to be in i abandoned my assignment to try and go make a play and the running back smart of him went to where i wasn't and gashed our defense
0: he bounced it he bounced it
1: yep If I'd have been in my responsibility doing my job, we would have been fine. But the thing is, I wanted the accolades. I didn't get the accolades thinking that the play before was my fault. So I tried to go be the hero. I proved more of a villain than a hero. I I hurt our team's chances. We lost the game in a very bad way. Um, And I wasn't the only time, right, since I did that. I tried to go make up for it. And I did, once again, did something I usually wouldn't do. And so after the game, not only was it, Sam, what were you thinking? Sam, what were you doing? It was... Radio silence. One hearing anything from anybody. My coach would essentially look over me and talk to the other guys. My teammates were like, What is this guy thinking? Radio silence. The affirmation was all of a sudden gone. And that persisted for about three, four weeks. Nobody was really messing with me anymore. I went from the guy to the nobody. And I'm sitting there like, what the heck? Like how what? No, I can do it. I can do it. I didn't I didn't even I barely played the next two games. Barely played. Maybe I had three snaps out of a 60, 70 play game. And i and I got to a point, honestly, I haven't told a ton of people this. I started like fasting, praying and fasting during that season. For those people who don't know what fasting is, some people, some people may have heard of fasting. Okay, let me try and like not eat a ton of food or whatever. But In a spiritual sense, fasting means denying your flesh and replacing it with time with God, right? Okay, maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's time reading the word of God, pretty much saying, God, you are more important than my body, whether it's food, whether it's social media, whether it's TV, you can fast from a myriad of things. So I started doing that during that season because I said, okay, God, not only am I not playing well, but even emotionally and spiritually, I felt like I was just empty, like running on E. So anyways, started fasting. And as I started praying and fasting, I felt like I was in a lot of ways, like hearing from the Lord being like, dude, I love you regardless of how you play. And I am for you regardless of what anyone else says. I love you, I'm with you, I'm for you. And so instead of me trying to go to a game to get that affirmation or go to a coach or to a teammate, I started in a lot of ways like, Hearing it from God, not like a big like, Sam, you're the best ever, but like this feeling, this of like this almost like this like whisper of like, you're enough. You are enough. Still give your best, but you're enough. And it was this deal of like, oh, that was great. Oh no, by the way, it's getting better, right? No, not in games. I wasn't playing in the games. It was in practice. I would go go to practice and try and like try and do well in practice on scout team, right? I'm year year eight in the NFL, year seven or eight, seven in the NFL. Started half my career, minus a couple of injuries, I wasn't playing on scout team, and I was doing well. Still, wasn't getting affirmation from coaches, but I'd hear from the Lord, "Sam, you are enough." Oh, great job, and oh, by the way, it's getting better. And so, to answer your question, how I kind of overcame was to realize that Lecrae says it in one of his songs. He says, "If you live for their acceptance, you'll die from their rejection." I stopped living for people's acceptance. And I replaced it with God's acceptance, reading the word of God, feeling that affirmation of, oh, wow, you are enough. And then little by little, coaches would notice, teammates would notice, the fans would notice, but it didn't even matter. Because instead of looking at coaches and fans and the film after games, I'd immediately go to prayer. Like, all right, God, what'd you think? What'd you think? And I would just feel this voice of like, that was amazing.
0: What, and oh, by does, the way, it's getting better. What does what does prayer look like for you? Do you, uh, is it just integrated throughout your day? Do you, uh, some people like to just sit in silence in the morning for 15, 30 minutes. Some, some people call it meditating. Some people, you know, call it prayer. You know, I'm talking with the Lord. Uh, I found in my life when I when I set that time aside, Thats when I'm most at peace that's when I'm most self- aware that's when I'm uh, most in touch with my inherent value uh, with my purpose what how do you man, how does prayer manifest itself in your life meditation what does what do those practices look like
1: definitely it's all of the above it's getting spending quiet time like not just talking people think that prayer is this thing okay God help me play better help me to get this job no prayers a conversation all it is is a conversation with God right a conversation and in conversation as we all know we study it in class it's a it's a two-way street you talk and you listen you talk and you listen and so for me prayer became not just this time of saying okay in Jesus name I want this and I want that and I pray for this person that person I would just sit and just listen sit in silence And sometimes I'd read the word of God beforehand and just try and meditate on some of the things that Jesus was saying when he was walking this earth, some of the stuff in the Bible. Other times I'll just sit in silence. Sometimes I'll be in the shower and just like for me, like I get not necessarily a lot of thoughts in the shower, but I feel like I, that's like my time, my space, you know, I think NFL locker rooms in college got these showers with 50 guys, 80 guys in a locker room. You don't have any peace have don't have any really quiet time. So for me, just being in the shower by myself and just, having like a mini conversation with the Lord walking before, before plays I would pray in between plays at a certain time in the season prayer, just having conversations
0: with God. You talked a little bit when you were talking about how you got over that hurdle to realize uh, that, Hey man, I'm going to be myself and I'm okay being myself. You talked about a lot of us get caught up in the achievement race. What? Is on my resume. What have I done as of late to earn some type of identity or to earn respect, maybe from my coworkers or my peers? You write in your book, you say, I think we often get caught up in the busyness of life. Society tells us that if we work hard enough, do well enough, try hard enough, or look pretty enough, then we will be enough. But there's a problem with that equation. We already are enough. You go on later towards the end of the book to say, if the enemy can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. I read a book, I guess it's been almost a year now. I don't know if you've heard of it The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. He's a pastor, and uh, it's an incredible book. You should check that one out too. But in it, he talks about this hurry sickness and we have this problem in america sam don't we this never slow down never rest what's the next thing i can do to earn this identity i'm interested for you because on the on the outlook right you're doing a lot you played in the nfl for 9 years you wrote a book i think if it, most people in life would consider their life a success if they were able to write a book i know i would that's pretty cool you've done all these things two degrees how have you been able to I guess manage such a workload but also not do what you said which is get caught up in the busyness of life that's real hard that's real hard nowadays yeah well I'm learning Drew to be honest
1: because it's easy to name the things that we do and be like man I'm just everywhere and I'm running and I'm gunning and I'm doing and but if you actually break it down Sometimes like God gives you grace in certain seasons and things just happen. Things just happen in football. I don't know how it is for you. I don't know how it is for you. But for me, after practices and after games, guys would be like, oh, man, I'm so sore. My body hurts so much. I got to go take a couple Advils. And I'd be like, um, I'm kind of okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. And I played like 80 snaps a game all on the 100 snaps a game. Something. and like so sometimes and, and, and for whatever reason, especially early on in my career it was like, I feel like this is pretty easy. Right? God gives us certain grace. But there are other times where we try and just go after it. I want this. I want that this book didn't come out of this place where it's like, I got to write this book. This book came out of a place of pain. This book came out of a place of confusion, a place of feeling a lot of rejection and doubt and fear and God freeing me from that. And this book is my journey that I want to share with the world to say, hey, you can be free too. You can be free too, because I know what it's like to try and look the part. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to try and say the right things. I know what it's like for people to say I'm a certain height or weight and be like, okay, how's that going to sound? I know what it's like to talk with a general manager and be like, oh man, you like?" I know what it's like to play the game, to put on the masks. I I literally was the the best at that once I was the best at anything I was the best at that but then I learned what it was like to be free Mm. like to be free from all of it and bro when I tell you there's no better feeling there is no better feeling to be affirmed by God because that's the thing okay you say all these things you did yes I played football right as I was finishing playing no job no nothing I was right God gave me this book this last season I wasn't on I wasn't on an NFL team this last season Right. Well, the book comes out this last season, so I have time to go and promote it, to talk about it, to be on podcasts, right? I love speaking, so I got a chance to speak during off seasons. I love talking, so I started a podcast uh, a couple years ago. I, I'm, I'm still not signed right now, so I decided to start another podcast because I am able because I have free time. I have a lot of free time. So some people have the benefit of, of, of working a ton and being on a team and making a ton of money, which is all great and good. Right now, I have the benefit of time. And that time has afforded me an opportunity to, to, to get in the word of God, an opportunity to ask God what he wants me to do and where he wants me to go, as opposed to just trying to just reach after every single thing. I've been in seasons where I've tried to reach after every single thing and I get it. That's a problem. Like we'll get those things, but then we'll come up empty because we realize that thing never had anything that we needed. Whereas if we get God, we realize we have everything, if not more than what we could have ever imagined. And it took me years to realize that so now when I do the things I do it's not about what I want what it's not about what other people want me to do it's more about what I want to do what do I want to do because God put those desires in me and I'm telling you bro like this is just from like one football player to another one achiever to another if we spend our lives doing what other people want us to do or thinking how other people want us to think or acting how someone else wants us to act It'll only get us so far, it'll only get you so far. But once you say, you know what, God, this is me. Whether they like it or not, this is me, I know you love me. Once we realize that we're already loved, it frees us up to be who God intended us to be. That's why when I look at this book, I get overly excited. Every single word was literally flowed from the spirit of God, but out of my fingers. Every word, all God, right? This podcast, right, I got, you know, like, I'm, yeah. All God, I started a, a one just called at uh, least a couple athletes weeks ago. called Justice, man. Yeah, like, check athletes it out. for justice. Yeah, like all God, all God. And so I spent 85% of my life, 95% of my life chasing what someone else wanted me to do. And it's just now at 32 years old where I'm realizing, okay, I'm gonna do what I want to do. Why? because God put those desires in me for a reason and I can't keep on squashing them because the body keeps the score.
0: Mm. I I think maybe I'm wrong. Give me your take. A lot of us will look on social media. We'll see people doing things. Maybe they're investing really well. Maybe they've got a killer family life, great marriage. Maybe they're starting a podcast. Maybe they're writing a book. And we have this—we have this problem with comparing ourselves, and uh, a lot of times probably leaves a majority of people. You know, when you go on Instagram, I mean, sometimes you find some killer content, and you're like, "Wow, LeBron really hit that three with a minute left to ice the game." But a lot of times, maybe we leave it and walk away, and feel some sort of emptiness. Maybe that we're not doing enough, or. I haven't accomplished enough or I'm not doing a good enough job at my current job. You mentioned this season of your life where all of a sudden you're finally able to start writing this book, start this podcast. Do you think life is in, in being comfortable being yourself is a little bit about seasons? Hold on. I think my camera just tweaked out.
1: Yeah, I could still hear you though, if you want me to keep on going. Life, life absolutely is about seasons. There are seasons, Drew, when you're gonna be super busy, and that's okay. There are seasons where you're gonna be the star, and that's okay. But there are also seasons where you're gonna be under the covers, behind the desk, if you will, doing the grunt work, and that's okay, because it's those seasons that set you up for the other seasons, the seasons of struggle, the seasons of doubt, the seasons of shame, always precede the seasons of your greatest growth. Like if I've learned anything, I've learned that my biggest accomplishments usually come right after my lowest failures. Going back to that game week two in 2017, where I had this low, pretty much a failure of a game and a couple games wasn't playing. I realized that God was all I had and God was all I needed. Well, fast forward, that would go on to be the best season I had since my rookie year. That season earned me a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract that season. And so I think the thing I would tell people is don't, life is not Instagram. Instagram. So don't believe the lie. Don't believe when you see the pictures or you see the tweets or you see the following or you see the podcast or you see the dominant plays on the football field or on a basketball court or the killer body. Don't believe the lie because everybody has a story. Everybody's going through something and we all can learn from each other. How's it been for you these first couple years, really first year um, in the NFL and doing what you did in college
0: and then meeting all these, like, how's it been for you? So I'll tell you, my rookie year, I had had a really good year. Uh, I think based on what people's expectations were for me, I played really, really good on special teams and I earned myself a starting job on defense by the end of the year. And I was playing really, really well. And I had very high expectations for myself coming into this year. And you talk about seasons of your life where maybe reality doesn't align with what your expectations were for yourself. Well, that was me this year. I was had a killer camp. Uh, it was starting at will next to our first-round pick, Kenneth Murray. And uh, we get into the first game versus Cincinnati. I don't know if you ever played on Cincinnati's field, but they're <laughs> – Their turf isn't the best. The fifth play of the game, uh, I dislocate my ankle and uh, break my fibula, tear my deltoid, and I'm – it's not new to me. I tore two ACLs in college, so I know what that feeling is like. But this one, dude, it was – it hurt, man. It really, really hurt, and I remember – Why? Why did it hurt? I think it's it's a combination of things. It's you've trained so so hard for a moment for an opportunity, and suddenly it's vanished. I think too, I I realize how hard the recovery process is, having gone through two ACLs, and I I knew the road that was ahead for me to even have the chance to play next season. And I'm I'm on that road right now. Right, I'm recovering. Uh, I think it's just. I think it's a letdown. I think two, I think three probably, you know, like you said a little earlier, maybe our identity gets wound up a little bit uh, in the fact that we're a football player or whatever it might be. Uh, And and suddenly that's not me. That's not gonna be my reality. So I think a culmination of those things, but I, I remember this. I remember sitting in the locker room. They carted me off and I just called my wife and bro, I was weeping, mm-hmm. I was weeping,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just so distraught. It was hard, man. So I think my first two years to answer the question has been a combination of ups and downs, but that, that definitely has been a, a highlight moment. Mm. Uh, I just remember pounding the turf, like crying on the field. Football players aren't known for crying. But, I mean, I guess I was practicing letting the world see me. I mean, I was letting it all out. Hmm. Uh, and so, what, yeah, man, I'm I'm still on the road. What the- has that,
1: what is that road been like for you? I mean, I've broken a fibula before. Um, so, and people say, yeah, if there's any bone to break, that's the bone, right? But it doesn't really always help when people say, you know, consolatory statements like that. That's the bone to break. But... Or the fibula, ankle, not being able to walk for a period of time. But in a lot of people's expectations, it's like, hey, it's been you know eight months or however many months, you should be good by now. What is that what has
0: that internally been like for you? It's been it's been tough. So I had to have surgery on mine and they put a plate in there and I couldn't walk for two months. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, a. <laughs> to have something so simple taken away from you it really puts things into perspective Uh, because i couldn't suddenly just to get up to go to the bathroom was like a process right Mm. or to go make a shower yeah take a shower is horrible Mm -hmm. to go make a meal to do Mm -hmm. these simple things is suddenly like really really hard and uh so it was hard man it was hard it's like anything though it's like learning to ride a bike, right? You start out and it's really, really hard. You're learning, uh, you're learning how to live in a way that you haven't lived before. Hmm. I think about maybe people who have gotten fired from their jobs, right? The acute pain of losing your job, right? It probably applies to a lot of people this day actually with the pandemic. They lose their job and suddenly the acute pain, it's really, really hard. And then it starts progressively over time getting better. For me, I found I was able to flip the switch pretty quickly. And I learned this, my first ACL, not so much. My second ACL, a little bit better. This one, maybe even a little bit more better. But you talk about where your identity is rooted. If your identity is rooted in your ability to play football, or to do the job that you were once competent at doing, but now you're not able to because of an injury, because of a setback, because of a firing, you're going to be in a really, really dark place. But if your identity is in Christ, is in a God that spoke the universe, that spoke cosmos into existence, that says you are made in the image of him, I don't know, man. It's, it, I have a little bit more peace I think with that, and people think that's like just some esoteric thing, but it goes back, I think, to what you were talking about earlier with prayer, with meditation, with fasting, with doing these things to let yourself be known by God. Like that's, you write it in your book, to know God is to be known by him, to experience those raw emotions of the letdown, of the pain that you're feeling, to let those be heard, to verbalize them, to verbalize them not only to god but to others to your friends to your family to really be known so i I don't know man i don't know if you can relate with any of that no dude i um
1: so for me it was my third season similarly similarly to you i had earned a starting spot i was a fourth round pick Starting on defense. Year two, I'd started every single game, played over a thousand snaps, and year three was gonna be my year. Year three, contract year, you know, it's my time to shine. It was week three. We're in the Superdome playing Drew Brees and the Saints. And I was I was I was feeling it, bro. I was eating that tackle alive. Like it was it was a sight to be seen, at least the way I remember it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I just sacked him, like it was like things were going great. And all of a sudden, talk about an acute pain. We had a blitz on, and one of my teammates got blindsided and fell directly on my ankle, and mm-hmm. bent it in a way that it wasn't supposed to bend. I'd never been injured before, ever. I'd like rolled an ankle, sprained a thumb, maybe jammed a finger, but nothing to ever require surgery and X-ray, nothing. And you talk about that weeping, bro. I can relate. I call. It, it was my, my fiance, or we weren't engaged, but my were we engaged? My the 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 woman who's now my wife mm-hmm. called her and actually opposite of you. I tried to man up. I was like, yeah, hey I'm fine. Um, you know, she's, she was in Nigeria at the time. My wife is from Nigeria and she was there at the time said, Hey, just letting you know, like I may not be playing the rest of this season. Or it's, I, I try to say it in a cooler way. I may not play next week. She's like, all right, cool. You know, I was like, all right, cool. I'll talk to you later. Hang up the phone. I'm like, all right, whew, that was easy. And then she calls me back. She's like, what, what's really going on? And I just start weeping, bro, just crying, you know? And mm-hmm. so I get that pain that you're talking about. Um, for me, the hardest part was the journey. And like you, right? Like you started, I don't know when this podcast was started, but I, I, I highly doubt you'd be able to still be doing a podcast if you had a whole season, right? This podcast was probably started during this time. God has given you, you know, signs of what's to come, right? Like you're great at this. You're really, really good at this. You do your research, you study, Um, You have great questions. You're really good at listening. Like all the things, the equipment you've invested. So God's giving you like a, um, a taste of what's to come. But man, that time was hard because there was an expectation that my body needed to be at a certain point. And for whatever reason, maybe I rushed it. Maybe the rehab wasn't good, but I wasn't at the point where everyone else expected me to be at. So though in my mind, I was like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. You know, I'm a man, I'm a grind. Yeah, 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 yeah. The body keeps the score. And my body wasn't where it needed to be. And so I, yes, I made it back out on the field, but it was with all this extra expectation of I got to show that I'm just as good, if not better than I was before. What I wish I would have told myself, well, more than anything, like, this time is good for you. No, we don't want the injury. No, you don't. But this time is good for you because God's giving you a foundation. He's building you up um, from the bottom up, from the ground up to show you that, yes, you're going to dominate in football. Yes, you're going to play many more years. Yes, you're going to get many more contracts. Don't worry about that. But I'm I'm actually prepping you for what's to come. In addition to the 5, 10, 15, however many years you want to play, all that will happen. Don't worry. But also I'm helping you for what's next I think that's what I needed to hear when I was in your shoes because I was scared I was scared like man am I gonna and I didn't I couldn't verbalize that I was scared but in a lot of ways I was scared because I didn't know what to expect being on a team am I gonna get my starting job back we have a new coach. same thing bro new coach my third year same thing um but if I could just affirm you that like God is working it out for your good and for his glory that's what I would say.
0: Bro, I want to close with this. I want to, it's really good. You talked about your father. You said he was preaching from the top of a bus in Nigeria when some missionaries (laughs) came up on this man was like, yo, this guy's legit. Let's get him back to, (laughs) to America and preach. Was he, was he kind of talk a little bit about your father? Was he, I'm assuming he was instrumental obviously in your development, but it sounds like he was pretty comfortable letting the world see him. I don't know too many people. I mean, you got entertainers in New York that'll do pretty much anything on the side of the street, but this man was on top of the bus preaching the gospel, you know? Yeah. That's offensive in and of itself. The gospel's pretty offensive. <laughs> this man's preaching up on the top of a bus, man. Talk about that.
1: Yeah. I'm going to even try and find a video. This isn't of him on the bus, but um, this is a video if I could find it of him because he's got a guitar, right? So he like he'll, he'll, he'll preach and his play, he'll play his guitar and he'll you know, he'll, um, so the longest short of it is like, my dad is a G and he's a boss. He's amazing, but he has this passion of, of sharing the gospel. He became a pastor. He's a, he's a, uh, a, a marriage counselor. He does mission trips. He does business stuff as well. Um, and I think more than anything, I, th- I look at what I'm doing, right. Speaking writing, right. My dad wrote two books, speaking, writing, listening, encouraging, it reminds me that our stories are bigger than us. Like if, I've, if I've learned anything, I've learned that my story is bigger than me, right? My dad was, 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 was in Nigeria. There are some missionaries in America who came. They wanted to go preach to these Nigerian people. They saw him. They're like, dude, we need you to come preach to us. I'm, I'm looking for that video. Um, and now he's here. And now I'm here. My brother, like our stories are so much bigger than us. And so, like, if I'm learning anything, I'm learning that, like, I can relax and trust that, like, God's plan is good. God's plan is good. Even in my pain, even in my injury, even in my doubt, even in my confusion, God's plan is good. And so many of us, we we hesitate to believe that because we want to kind of take control. We want to figure it out ourselves. But God's plan is good. He's a good father with a really, really good plan. And sometimes it takes us being slowed down to realize that. Sometimes it takes us ourselves slowing down to realize that. But I think at the end of the day, God wants us to teach us that He is for us. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to turn His back on us. He wants us to succeed. But more than anything, He wants us to know Him because He knows that without Him, we are nothing. Without him, we don't have any joy. And the joy that we have is temporary. Without him, we don't have any peace or that peace is temporary. Without him, we cling on to these things that will never satisfy. And he's like, no, dude, I am good. My plan is good and I will satisfy. I can't find the video, but it's really good. He's playing the guitar and he's singing and doing his thing. Dude, maybe you can send me that. Yeah, I'll send it to you.
0: We'll put up the YouTube video, dude. I you've been really insightful, man. You're obviously a very brilliant person, but just very down to earth and you've been awesome to talk to. I'm glad we're in the uh, Warfel Trophy brotherhood together. I'm telling you, dude, I'm telling dude, when you, man. I, when I got your book, man, and I had the note in there, I was like, I got to reach out to this guy. Like, this guy just seems super authentic. Like, not many people, like, having us not met would send somebody a handwritten letter inside the book they just wrote. And so, from your Canterbury Tales rendition to uh, everything about this book, Let the World See You, How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes, your podcast, uh about justice to your other podcast what's your other podcast called?
1: yeah so we have a a podcast called athletes for justice that just launched and home the home team podcast athletes Uh,
0: for justice and the home team we can catch that obviously on on whatever
1: yeah Apple, apple podcast and yep and the books on amazon and all that where you know amazon let the world see you but dude i just feel like we and i think that's that's why i wrote what i wrote and sent you the book i just feel like if I could help you in any way, I'm available. Put it that way. Because like, yes, we both went to big schools and yes, we both got drafted. And yes, we you know went to teams and had injuries and obviously got some of the trophy stuff that we've done together in a lot of ways. But man, if I could help you in any way, because I know what it's like to go through some of that stuff that nobody else really um, it, can understand. And so if I could help you in any way, that's why I just really resonated with you, dude. Like I was like, man, like, and then and then hearing some of your story and then knowing some people that you know and seeing even on social media, you hanging out with some of the people who I know, I'm like, man, if I could help in any way, uh, please let me know. Because God's got so much good in store for you, He just wants you to see it. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we don't see it. So if I could help you to see it, I'm here um obviously the book hopefully the book helped a little bit I knew you would relate because we've gone through some similar stuff but man like everything you want you're going to get just relax you know what I mean if I could if it like just relax everything you desire, even from a healthy marriage right because I know what it's like to be married young as well I got I'm married I was 25 or so you got married before I did but as far as age goes but like God will redeem and restore, but you have to relax and you have to let him in. You have to let him in and, and he's not going to barge in and break the door down. Uh, he'll just kind of just, just tap, just, you know, wait, you know, you know, and, and he's asking just to sit at the table, with you do when you're by yourself, when you're doing your rehab, when you're alone, when you're on the field, like, I just want to sit at the table with you, dude. So he has that for you. It's just a matter of us relaxing and saying, you know what? I don't have to do it all myself because we feel that at times.
0: That's deep, bro. I appreciate that.
1: I appreciate you, bro, for real. Awesome, man. If there's
0: anything yep. I can do, let me know.
1: Absolutely, man. Vice versa, same here.
0: All right, brother. We'll see you. All right. Peace. Well, that wraps up today's episode. We hope you found it valuable and worth your time. Hey, if you got questions or comments, please be sure to drop those below. I love reading those and very much value your feedback. And if you want to stay up to date with our latest content, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Lastly, if our content has blessed you in some way and you feel compelled, please consider leaving us a rating on Apple Podcasts. This will certainly help us grow and continue delivering valuable content to our listeners.